Good evening, listeners, or possibly good morning, depending on what time you're listening to this. We're back again, 2019. We missed January because we're in Australia, and as we've said before, Australia goes to sleep in January. Uh, joining me again, Thomas Wilson, Director of Music at St Mary's Cathedral. Thomas, hello. Hello, Richard, and uh, hello, listeners. How are you doing? Um, very refreshed after the sleepy January. Yes, did you go away? I did. I went to, to Japan, which is somewhere I hadn't been before. And what did you do there? I did a lot of uh, walking around and looking at things and uh, some eating. That's nice. Mm, they have very nice food, I discovered So it in turns Japan. out. Good. Mm-hmm. You were in Tokyo, is that right? Tokyo and Kyoto and a few smaller places in between. Excellent. Mm. And what was the highlight of the trip, would you say? I would say that the highlight was eating the freshest sushi I've ever had at 5.30am from the Tokyo fish market. Gosh, that certainly sounds like something in Time Out Tokyo. It was an experience. And, right. Uh, pleased to have done it and probably don't need to do it again. All oh, right, congratulations. But didn't you have run in uh, or a run in with um, wildlife? There were some deer. Right. At uh, one of the temples in a place called Nara. Mm-hmm. Um, but they looked, I thought, a little bit mangy. I've seen those. They are certainly a bit um, world weary, in my impression. Yeah, we have nicer deer in New Zealand. Right. Mm. And the snakes as well, I think. Oh, those. Yes, I went to the snake cafe. Um, the choristers have been quite interested in this. They, they have in Tokyo, as, as I'm sure many people know, all these different animal cafes where you can have your um, beverage and possibly a piece of cake um, whilst enjoying the company of, of a cat or an owl. I think there was an otter cafe, uh, certainly a, a hedgehog cafe. Um, but I didn't want to go to those. I wanted to go to the snake cafe. And, uh, Are you a lover of uh, snakes? Well, I think they're interesting things. Right. Um, I'm sort of terrified of them, and, and that's, I think, sensible. I think all, all I'd agree with that. right-thinking people are. Um, but these ones, none of them were venomous, and you just have one in a little clear plastic box, and it, it's on the table and doing its snaky business there. And... If I had wanted to pay more, I could have handled one, but I didn't feel that that was necessary. I was quite happy. Oh, right, so they have gradated uh, charging structure. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, that's very, uh, very ingenious or Mm. ingenious, rather. Yes, a lot of um, Australians, of course, have asked me how the coffee was because they're very interested in that. Well, I I didn't even try the coffee in the in the Snake Cafe because it just wasn't about that, and I didn't think that they were particularly invested in the in the making of the coffee. No, it's just a vehicle to provide access Mm. to the snakes. Right. right. Well, speaking of venom, you're now uh, back uh, in full swing, I think, and you have a new batch of choristers. We do. We have four new probationers this year. And uh, again, as, as usual, they've come from different backgrounds with different levels of experience. And uh, last year's probationers, there are seven of them, they uh, were inducted into the main choir uh, this morning by the Archbishop. And what does that involve? Well, it's a little ceremony where um, it's it's like other rites of admission that happen in the church. They're, they're called forward. Um, I, as the, um, the Master of Music, uh, say that they've done their education, they've passed their tests, they're ready to become choristers, and the Archbishop then admits them formally into his cathedral choir. He blesses their cotters, which are the white surpluses that they wear on top of their 
purple cassocks and then um, saying a prayer over are each they one. Co- are they cotters or surpluses? Because aren't they different lengths? Well, the cotter really just means a short surplus. Okay. So a surplus is... Well, is, so is, a, cor- a little chorister would therefore be wearing a cotter. <laughs> it's curious because a surplus is actually just a short alb. Right. So really an alb um, is a white garment that goes on top of a cassock. Mm. Um, you, you would never wear an alb on its own, although people... That, in many places do unfortunately incorrectly um, an alb goes on top of a cassock um, and should be at least as long as that cassock a surplus is a short alb and that could just be a little bit shorter um, or in the case of um, most surpluses that you see in, in choirs um, it's quite a lot shorter than the alb mm. um, a cotter I suppose is shorter again right and it generally implies that it's going to be in the um, the, the straight Italian style which is the the version that we have is there a level shorter than that um some kind of scarf or something (laughs) yes i i think that would probably be a tank top right Mm. okay well you know forward thinking choirs might come up with that uh, as their uniform (laughs) i'm sure some have indeed i dare say uh so but it must be an exciting occasion for those for you know probationers becoming choristers i think so and their families uh, obviously come and they they know that they've had to work quite hard over the preceding year Mm. in order to get to this point and I'm very excited about uh, this current group they did really well last year they all um, made it into the choir as singing boys which is the stage before being formally inducted um, earlier than we've done for some groups in the past yes I remember you mentioning that which which bodes very well and and they're 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 really um, engaged musical happy boys so I think uh, we're going to expect big things from them well that um, sounds like something to look forward to. Hmm. But you mentioned that you've got the new probationers who have come in. Um, this induction process, I'm guessing, must also be something for them to, to really see, especially very early in their careers. That's exactly right. So, I mean, it happened happened to be their very first Sunday experiencing the Cathedral Choir. Hmm. This is the first Sunday the boys have been singing in this year. So, yeah, that's that's right. And I've certainly made a point of telling them that uh, hopefully that will be them this time next year. As you mentioned, we're very early in the singing year. Has anything else been been happening? Well, we we've uh, just sort of been getting our, our schedule back on track. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a few things, all the all the things that happen at the beginning of the year. Lots of schools from across the archdiocese come in to have their opening mass of the year. Is, is the choir ever involved with those? Well, the choir is involved with our own um, St Mary's Cathedral College's mm. opening mass, which um, is an interesting one because. I think uh, the Cathedral College obviously is very aware of the fact that it has the Cathedral Choir as part of its musical arsenal. And uh, therefore, when it comes to masses, it's easy just to let the Cathedral Choir do do the music, do Do, what we we normally do. And I suppose that they may even say that that knowing me that they expect that that's what I want to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how, how fair is that to say? <laughs> well, there's, there's perhaps some truth in that, but mm. um, it's never the job of the choir to do all the singing at Mass. And so um, one of the things that we've been trying to do over the last couple of years is to explain to the, the boys of the Cathedral College that actually when they come to Mass at the Cathedral, and they do on, on a number of occasions in a year, it's something like nine or ten 
whole school masses that we have each year in the cathedral. Um, actually, it's their job to participate in a, in a whole variety of ways, obviously by listening, standing and sitting, by saying the responses and by singing the responses, hymns and other parts of the mass. So I mean, what you're talking about, I think, is what in the ecclesiastical jargon is, is known as active participation. Is that, is that right? Well, that's right. Um, there's... there's Look, there are so many things that you have to do at school because that's what you do. Mm -hmm. There's no point um, in them saying, oh, but why do we have to? Well, the, the fact is, this is what we do at this school. And I think... Obviously, we hope that from there, they might actually develop an appreciation for what they're doing. And it's the same with anything. Why do we have to do this boring Shakespeare? Well, we have to do it because we think, actually, it's a, it's a good thing to do. And we happen to think that participating in mass is also mm. a good thing to do. So it's been my job um, to actually assist or to talk to the, the whole school about how they do that, why they go about it, um, to help them learn some music to sing. And what's been really interesting about that process is that over nine years now, um, I've done a lot of um, working with the Cathedral College uh, on things that they might sing, mainly in the context of what they sing for their annual concert in the town hall. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, although I've never really been involved in the choosing of what they sing, I've certainly seen things work and other things work less well, etc. And so when it comes to singing at Mass, I've got an idea about what they, the sort of music they will and won't sing. And I can tell you what really doesn't work, and that's sort of soppy um, music with a weak melody about how much they love Jesus. That absolutely isn't going to fly. And in fact, we make quite a, a bit of a joke of that when we're doing singing lessons. Adults of a certain generation might immediately flock to that type of uh, absolutely, choice. Absolutely, yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, adults of a certain generation, as you say, but uh, certainly not... Um, most teenagers I mean let's let's be honest most of them don't want to do it anyway I think that's that yeah, is right. really the case but if they have to do it it might as well be something that, that has a little bit of a bit, of, meat. bit of meat a bit of momentum um, and there are all sorts of places we can look to see this proved and the hymn that I got the school to sing for the opening mass this year we've done it in various contexts before um, is Guide Me O Thou Great Redeemer which a lot of people know as Bread of Heaven it is of course sung as almost a Welsh national anthem. Well, especially at the rugby, though. That's right. If you go to yeah. Twickenham... Um, if you Wales will... is playing England, they both can't sing God Save the Queen. So, no, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's just a really good tune. The words also happen to be very good. And as I explained to the school last week, really very appropriate for the start of the year. There's a sort of... Um, baptismal element in it the start of the Christian journey the start of a new year when I tread the verge of Jordan bid my anxious fears subside and again I think there's a really important educational aspect to this because um, yes we could just as I said before sing the obvious we could have words that do the obvious you know oh god you are so big help me to be big like you or <laughs> we could um, actually deal with something which is a little bit more, um, well, impregnated language, mm. where, where there's, there's imagery, and gave me an opportunity to talk to them about imagery, and I hope that maybe the, the English department at the Cathedral College might uh, be able to, you know, back that up at some point mm. with their, with their well, lessons. Sounds like you're talking about Shakespeare again. Well, possibly. I don't know if they do Shakespeare. I think they spend a lot of time doing word finds, but hopefully they'll be able right. to graduate onto literature at some point um, in the future. Right, well, certainly something for them to look forward to. For them, and it's good to know that music is leading the way in, in these academic pursuits. Well, it generally would, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that the, the boys of the school take better to 
I think they do. Hymns I like mean, uh, Bread of Heaven or, or Gaia Redeemer. And, and, and I even told them, you know, if they could only hear some of the music that other schools are bringing to their um, school masses. Um, mm. So what sort of thing might be there? I mean, obviously you don't want to uh, well, one, <laughs> one of the hymns them. which comes up quite a lot yeah. um, is called Gather Us In. Oh, yes. And um, it's... Well, there's that, that sort of... Is it the 70s idea of the gathering... The gathering song Absolutely. at the beginning of there's, mass. There's, yeah. there's this um, fallacy that, that somehow in the the rite of mass there's this thing called the gathering rite. Well, there absolutely isn't. What happens is you come into church and mass starts. But mm. um, anyway, <laughs> um, there's this imagined gathering rite, um, and this particular song it seems to be very popular again with adults of a certain generation. But it has these bizarre words. One of the lines is, "We are the young. Our lives are a mystery." <laughs> oh, well done! That's fantastic. Mm. Um, another I, one. I can't help but think that it it, it really gets uh, chosen precisely because the first word is gather. I think that's probably it. Yes, yeah. that's, that's sort of done enough. Another one that I always uh, think is nice in that, or that makes me laugh in that hymn, is uh, "Gather us in the rich and the haughty." <laughs> Yeah, even then. <laughs> yeah, I always wonder which people in the congregation are thinking, yes, I'm probably haughty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose it's nice to be inclusive. Yeah, indeed, that's very important. So the church is a big tent, after mm. all. Well, that's true, but uh, anyway. So you avoid the, the gather us in... We don't do those things, no. Yeah. Um, things that we think teenage boys, if they have to sing, have a chance of singing well. So we did Guide Me With Our Great Redeemer. Um, and then because actually the Cathedral College has a history of singing this one, we did an Irish hymn um, called Be Thou My Vision, which again, just has a really good tune. Although actually it has quite a lo- large range. It goes um, from low to high. high yeah. yeah, that's right. But um, again, th- that was the thing I thought they sang best, actually. Um, so it's instructive for me to um, see what works and see what works well and what works less well and we're going to keep working at it because um you know st mary's cathedral college uh, has a history of, of singing well and we want to encourage it to be even better now at high masses sunday high masses and so on you would have um a hymn which we might call an entrance hymn rather than a gathering hymn yes. and then and then the latin introit would you do that at the school mass as well no we haven't started doing the latin introit at the school mass i'm not sure whether it would be helpful, at least at this stage. Mm. But the the issue of having a, an English hymn followed by the introit at the High Mass at the Cathedral on Sundays is an interesting one. I think there's a tension there, mm. um, not least of which actually between my assistant Simon and me. Right. <laughs> it's not a real tension, but Simon, um, being an English organist, loves English hymnody. It's right. something that he, he really enjoys. He's a fantastic um, interpreter of these hymns. He really makes the organ come alive. Um, The trouble is that our congregation, although we persist with these, we have two hymns every Sunday at High Mass. They just don't sing them. They don't they sing the really hymns. Don't. There are there are people there, um, yourself included, Richard, mm-hmm. um, who who certainly do give it a a, a full throated effort. Mm. But, effort is um, probably the word. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm sad to say that you're in the minority. Mm. Um, when we're walking in, processing in, um, most people in the congregation don't even have the booklet in their hand. Yeah, and that's dispiriting as well. It's, I mean, I know as someone who has produced booklets in the past, yeah, it's it, there's a certain um, satisfaction in seeing everyone kind of. Um, Holding we, your booklet. We, but we want them to, although I have to say that actually 
It doesn't at any point in the in the, the the rubrics, the rules for how Matt is supposed to go. At no point does it say, and now there will be a hymn. No, indeed. It's not actually part of it, but it is a way of fostering participation. Mm. However, it's much more important that they that actually respond to the, the proper um, responses of Mass, the um, the things where the priest sings something and we sing something back. Yeah. Those things are really very important. As genuine hymns, active participation. So. Yeah, that, that, that's right. But we wanted to keep trying to do it. And so something I find interesting is the number of um, clergy that say, oh, couldn't we have a nice hymn at the end of Mass? Mm. So at the moment, sorry for those who perhaps don't come every week, you have the entrance hymn, which we've mentioned, and then mm-hmm. the other hymn is after communion. After communion. Yeah. In that period where everyone is settling down, the, the, there's been the, um, the communion procession, people have been up and out of their seats and done all that. Mm-hmm. Um, communion has to be finished with the the sacred vessels have to be purified and put away etc so there's that lull Mm -hmm. and it seems like that's a good moment to sing a hymn yep but we don't have a hymn at the end and it interests me when priests will say oh couldn't we go out on a hymn and i always say why Mm-hmm. And then there's a silence, and then mm-hmm. they say, "Oh, because because it's it's great, isn't it?" And we all go out singing. I said, "No, no, no, but the, you you don't." The choir sings the hymn. The people don't because, frankly, mass is finished. They don't want to sing a hymn at the end. They want to watch the procession or leave as soon as possible. And yet, the priests have this idea that it's wonderful and that we all go out singing, but it just doesn't happen. So. That is an interesting one that I've I've sort of challenged that assertion at, when it's been made, and I think I've proved them, proven that it is in fact true. People don't want to sing a hymn there. And some of your um, people in your chain of command have they tried to change your mind on that matter? No, I mean, and look, there are times when I concede. For example, at Christmas, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll have a hymn at the end. I think we do at Easter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are those times when just the whole um, liturgy, I think, has actually carried successfully um, the All idea. The way through, that, yeah. That's right. People and we really do want to go out singing, but on a normal Sunday or most occasions, no one wants to. So, returning from the end of mass to, the, to our conversation about the beginning of mass, you were expressing concern about the fact that congregations don't actually sing the hymn that is arguably put on for their benefit. Yes. Uh, and does that mean that you're going to be that you would consider? dropping that in just in favour of having solely the Latin introit sung by the choir? Or, well, or there's what? a complicated answer to that, which yeah, is, right. um, conceptually, I don't see any point in singing the hymn. I think we should just sing the, the Latin introit, except I'm not going to drop the hymn. Mm. <laughs> we are going to keep doing it because perception is important. And I think the perception would be even more so that the choir is just giving a concert and that there isn't an opportunity. At least we're offering the opportunity now. It may be that people don't take us up on that, but it is there. And I think that's important, even just in in the name of balance. I I would mention that there was um, a comment that I heard from a friend of mine who's certainly liturgically uh, aware, who spoke of the, effectively, the the sort of um, goosebumps that he gets um, as the hymn ends at the beginning, you know, which, and I'm guessing that he's the type of person who would join in, but as the hymn ends, and then there is this silence just before the introit actually begins, and it's the anticipation of the Latin introit that he really enjoyed. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that's probably quite a, a specific... But I'm so pleased to hear that, yeah. because that is the sort of thing that I have enjoyed in other places, you know, and I've gone to Mass um, in different ways. It used to um, really impress me at Westminster Cathedral the moment 
and there they don't sing an English hymn it's just the Latin introit right. but what I used to love there was that moment when the introit fades away and there on a Saturday morning mass is sung in the, the new rite but in Latin right yes so you'd hear the last notes of the Latin introit followed by in nomine patris et fili et spiritus sancti amen and there was this unbroken uh, sort of segue into the into the um the rite of mass and i always used to get goosebumps at that moment so it's very nice to hear that people find that in our own um circumstance well i'm i'm happy to provide that certain gratification for you then thomas but i know that there is a certain tension that you know to which you've already referred between proponents of a, a somewhat traditional musical style and those who are more interested in in you know the gathering song um, that must be something that you come up with in people around Absolutely. the place. That, that's very true. Um, what I think is interesting, however, is that I, I sense there's an increasing interest as people are getting uh, better formed in, mm-hmm. in the liturgy generally, um, and I think that is happening in a few places, um, As also as Catholics are becoming aware of the frankly the quality of music that happens in other places and i'm going to mention the the dreaded hill song here yeah because i think that that's had a profound effect i mean we have to remember that this is a global phenomenon in in christian um worship and music but with a strong australian and especially it, it's, Sydney. Aus- it's an australian it has an australian genesis i, oh, does it really? I right. think so yeah okay um and so we're certainly aware of that and that means that um the Catholic youth movement, such as it is, um, has done a lot to um, to try and learn the best lessons from what they find in other um, denominations and traditions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, with the benefit of liturgical formation. So, mm-hmm. what I'm getting around to saying is that I, you know, I've been involved in workshops and things where I've I've seen that actually the ideals are the same. Yeah. The the musical language might be different, um, but they're trying to draw people in to participating in the liturgy in exactly the same way as we are. Now, um, just as it can go wrong if if a choir. Um, were to just sing everything, let's say, in Latin, and for the congregation to have no opportunity um, either of joining in or of knowing what was being sung, then that would be wrong. That would be missing the point of liturgical music. Just as if um, a music group were to um, have their microphones and just sing loudly their own stuff that the congregation really had no chance or um, hope of, of joining in with in any meaningful way, that's just as, as bad as... as what I mentioned before about the choir singing in Latin. Mm-hmm. But I think we've moved beyond that in certain um, areas and I there's so, great yeah. work being done. Uh, but I did go to an interesting um, music workshop day organised by the Archdiocese of Sydney. It was a few years ago now um, where uh, a, a, I would call him an expert had been brought in, um, a very talented uh, songwriter, performer, but also liturgical musician who... I thought expertly led um, this day through looking at first principles, what we're there for, what music ought to be. Um, He didn't say anything that I disagreed with. In fact, I I thought he said some things in new and more interesting ways. The only difference of how I might have run such a day is that his um, the outcomes were all in in his more contemporary um, musical style. Right. Which is, which is fine. Came to the end of the day and uh, the, the point was for every, all the participants to, um, to sing music, mostly composed by the, the course leader in, in an actual mass. 
and that happened. We had a, a, an entrance right with um, with a song that I think was based on on the, the proper text. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, By proper, you mean in the technical sense, the, the for the day. Yes, that's yeah. right. From from the missal, mm-hmm. we had a Kyrie. I think it was a Sunday or the vigil mass for Sunday. So there was a Gloria, responsorial psalm, Alleluia, all in this contemporary style, guitars, many instruments, great singing. Got to the homily and the priest said something about the readings, but went on to talk about this particular workshop and said how uh, great it was to be here and, and hear all this music, etc., etc. And he said, but if you want to hear... <laughs> <laughs> if you want to experience, I think was his was his phrase, um, genuine liturgical music, then you must go to St Mary's Cathedral <laughs> and hear the choir sing Palestrina. <laughs> and I was sitting there behind an electronic keyboard, having been sort of supporting this day, yeah. feeling very very embarrassed at this moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not quite knowing where to look. <laughs> but uh, indeed, but I, I thought it was rather interesting that this this young priest who who had been you know chosen to lead this to to celebrate mass at the end of this this particular workshop <laughs> should have that perspective. So anyway, look, I think um, the, 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 the scene is set in lots of ways for, uh, let's say, the next 50 years of liturgical music to be a lot different and, and very much better than the previous 50 years. Let's certainly hope so. Mm. Something that we've not much talked about before is the fact that not only are you the director of music and you, you're the conductor of the choir and you're training boys and you're rehearsing with your the men of the choir but that you're also you have a a, a team with whom you work uh, and so you, you have further skills that you need to deploy <laughs> in, in the management of, of of all of that that must be quite something well i'm sure this is true in lots of jobs and vocations but i th- something i think often is how um, after many years and a lot of money and a lot of work spent um, trying to become a musician, mm. learning about crotches and quavers and playing the organ, I now spend most of my time um, in front of a computer. Doing your email. Doing my email, yeah. which I'm very bad at. Yeah. Um, at uh, um, running a budget, going to meetings. Yeah, how are you on Excel? <laughs> well, I've had to become yeah. proficient. It's um, the way of the world, though, really, isn't it? it, it absolutely right. And... Yet, I've really not not trained for this. Mm. But uh, if I want to do my job properly, I have to give a lot of thought to to getting better at it. And it's something I I try to um, uh, improve on all the time. But the management of people, on on the one hand, I'd say I find it difficult and bemusing and um, uh, it, it can be a source of great stress. On the other hand, and perhaps it's really a matter of perspective, it's not all that different from being an educator or, or a conductor, uh, a, oh, musical, yeah. a musical leader. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my former um, clerical employers uh, once said to me that, um, well, I said to him, oh, it's not, it's not all that hard what I do, it's all about psychology. And he said, oh, and I, I disagree because he said that he could do the psychology bit, but he couldn't do the music. Mm-hmm. And there, there may be some truth in that. But yes, getting other people to do basically what you want them. I mean, we can say, I'm, I just want to do what the composer wanted. or I'm just trying to do the best for the music. Yeah, fine. But basically you're getting people to do what you want them to do. Oh, but if you want to do that. Yeah. Indeed. That's, yeah. that's what a, a musical leader does. Yeah. And you know, that's something I have learnt over the years to have some success with. Um, translating that to an office situation, 
I don't find so easy. Right. And yet on one level, perhaps it oughtn't to be. Um, oh, it, it, oughtn't, oh, it ought to be. Uh, it, it ought to be easier yeah. than, than I find it. Yeah. And um, Isn't there not an element of kind of temperament of yourself yes, involved yes. there? Yeah. And, and we're all products of our experience, aren't we? And um, I'm perhaps very conscious of the sort of um, manager that I don't want to be. Right. Um, which may sometimes get in the way of being the sort of manager I should be. I'm right. not sure. Um, yeah. But... Uh, Look, it's, it's, it's an ongoing um, lesson, and I love the people I work with. I'm very, very fortunate in, in the colleagues that I have, not just because of their skill level and, and talent um, and commitment, but actually they're just really nice people, and we get on very well. That's fortunate, um, really, isn't it? Which yeah. is fortunate. It yeah. also, uh, you know, there's the inevitable um, issue of, of when you are friends with your colleagues, how you can then um, have to be the manager and, and say the un, unpopular or sort of... put it in slightly blunter terms, how you boss around your friends. Yeah, th- yeah. That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. But all things considered, at this point, I would still rather um, be friends with my colleagues than not. I think that's, that's probably a fairly uh, healthy approach. <laughs> but it sounds like with your, with your applying uh, musical leadership to office leadership, it sounds like that there could be a book deal there. <laughs> uh, have you well, been I'm, talking to publishers I've yet? Just been, I've just been waiting for the, the big break that's finally going to make me my millions. So yeah. Maybe this is it. Yeah, well, certainly <laughs> something to look out for. Thanks for that, Richard. That's yeah, not, not, always happens <laughs> to help. Great. <laughs> and there must be special events that are coming up there are towards holy week we are collaborating again with our friends at the song company yep uh so the choristers will be uh performing um a concert i think we're calling it starbuck Mata, um which will involve music actually but the famous um Pergolesi Starbuck Mater, but reinterpreted in German um, by Johann Sebastian Bach. Oh, yes. So there we go. There's there's my favourite composer um, taking on a wonderful piece of music and, and doing his thing to it. Um, of course, it really suits um, the treble voices of our of our choristers. Now, isn't that, uh, the Pergolesi at least, isn't that written for uh, soprano and alto or soprano and right. soprano right but soloists well we're going to um, use different forces for different movements okay so um, soloists from the song from the song company yep as well as using our, our boy choristers for, for different things no doubt uh, the relevant information for people who might be interested in going to that concert can be found on the website is that Absolutely, right yeah. yes excellent brilliant uh, and anything else coming in the pipeline? Other than that, the um, the Cathedral Scholars are next week, in fact, um, going to St. James's Anglican Church yeah. to sing Evensong, which will be um, an interesting experience for them. Now, the Scholars um, sing Vespers in the Latin Rite uh, weekly. Um, in fact, more than weekly, because they sometimes do it on a Saturday evening, don't they? Yes. But the Anglican Rite is something different. It is, and um, in preparing materials for the scholars um i've just reminded myself actually how interesting and and i think ingenious the anglican rite of evensong really is it's um i mean the easy thing to say that many people of course would know is that evensong is a combination uh, a a sort of um a mashup if you like of of, of the the Catholic rite of Vespers plus Compline. So Vespers is the early evening um, office of the church, the service that that's sort of said it's in our case around five 
p.m. Um, Compline is later at night, so eight o'clock, nine o'clock at yeah. night. Um, and when the English Reformation was happening, um, Archbishop Cranmer um, decided that rather than having those two separate offices, he'd put them together as w- in one evening service. So That the, sounds quite efficient. The high point of Vespers um, is the canticle, the Magnificat, Mary's mm-hmm. song, uh, My Soul Doth Magnify the Lord. Uh, and the canticle, the high point of Compline, is uh, Simeon's song, uh, the Nunc Dimittis, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. Um, Sounds like you have been working with Anglican texts. Well, indeed. But wouldn't you much rather have that, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, than... Lord, let me go to sleep because I'm tired. I don't even know what the current English translation in the... Um, I don't like the official translations of the Nunc Dimittis. The Nunc Dimittis begins at last. At last, uh, yeah. all-powerful master. All-powerful master, That's yeah. what it is. But the one, the one that, that was said uh, where I went to school is now, Lord, let thy servant go in peace. Okay. Yeah. Which, there, are, there are different versions. And in fact, for the English officers at Mary's, I've opted for the non-standard, but still... Licit English Magnificat words uh, because it just scans slightly better than the other one. Yes, I've I've um, heard comments about that from, from the eagle-eyed uh, oh, participants uh, before. So. And, and then they, they are certainly right, but um, one of them is you know he puts forth his arm in strength is mm. the version we don't use. Yeah, because it's just bad. It doesn't it doesn't set well to music. It doesn't. Yeah. It's 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 poor. Um, but. Uh, there we are. So anyway, it's nice for the scholars to actually be um, able to, to really uh, sink their teeth into some really beautiful English language. Um, so at Evensong, they'll be singing the Magnificat and Nunc to those uh, um, old English texts from the Anglican Book of Common Prayer, mm-hmm. 1662. So yep. if you think about the, the other literature that was about at that point in time, it's glorious. Mm-hmm. Certainly the language must be um, something different for, for the scholars to, to experience, but, but what about the actual um, melody and the music? Well, we've opted not, because it's happening next week, which will be their second week of the choir term. Oh, yes. We haven't been here that long. No. We've opted to not you know, do too many new things at once. So we're going to sing a lot of this English to plain song. Okay. Which is part of the Anglican tradition. We, we aren't sort of introducing that. Sure. Um, there's a, a, a wonderful book called The Manual of Plain Song that, that does exactly that. And uh, so we'll be using the familiar Latin tones, but with these beautiful English texts. Oh, that's interesting. So it's not the traditional Anglican or the, the, the commonly found Anglican chant that you'll be singing. No, sadly not, which is something that is also really wonderful. But that would take um, us, because we don't do it very a lot often of at all, a lot of learning indeed, yeah, no, no, to, be, to be really fluent at it. Yeah. Um, another interesting feature will be um, the, the setting of the canticles, the Magnificat and Nunctimitis. Um Actually, these canticles have been composed by Simon Niminsky, um, the assistant director of music at the cathedral. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote them some years ago, uh, but... They're perfect for a number of reasons. They suit the scholars very well, written for alto, tenor and bass Mm -hmm. and organ. Um, And not only that, actually Simon, um, although when he wrote them, didn't know he'd be working at St. Mary's Roman Catholic Cathedral, um, has interwoven um, a Latin um, plain chant text into the um, Magnificat. He's done it really skillfully. It's... um, 
it's extraordinary music. So I know the boys enjoy it, and I, I'm very, very pleased to have the opportunity of performing it. Uh, is that a, an event that will be open to the public? Yes, absolutely. It's the um, the normal, um, regular even song at six fifteen on Wednesday. So that must be the thirteenth yeah, of February. That's right. Yeah, excellent. Uh, and will, is it just the, the cathedral scholars who are singing at that occasion, or are they um, other St James Choir? No, it's just, just the cathedral scholars. All oh, right. Well, that's quite a quite a, um, a special event. It then. is. It's an yeah. honour for us to be given the opportunity of, of singing at St James as well. We're very very pleased. Excellent. Well, Thomas, thank you very much for another month's podcasting. <laughs> we have got another exciting year ahead of us. Well, I say we've got an exciting year ahead of us podcasting-wise. I don't know really from one day to the next what's going to happen. But um, I think we, we, we have a request for, for next month for March's episode. Is that right? Well, well, I think, yes, we can generate content by asking our listeners mm. what's, uh, um, what are things that you've always wanted to know about uh, cathedral music but were too afraid to ask? Or perhaps... Um, just things that you'd like to hear us sort of chat about. That'd be good. That'd and we, be, will, uh, we will be having other, other participants in the podcast again. Mm. Um, indeed, some of those staff members uh, whom you mentioned previously will, will no doubt be, be oh, coming back. we've got some special guests in mind. Yes, that's exciting. Uh, but now, so people should submit their questions about what, what they've been too afraid to, to ask or <laughs> have always wanted to know about, about church music. Uh, and um, how should they do this? Well, they can go to the podcast page on the website at cathedralchoir.sydney slash podcast and find this episode, which is February 2019, and they can write a comment there, and then we'll get to those comments and um, uh, and we'll be able to, to use those in next month's recording. Or alternatively, what you can do is you can send an email uh, to stavedoff at cathedralchoir.sydney, and um, that will get to us. That's the official podcast email address, uh, and we'll be able to read uh, questions from from there as well. If you're if you don't want to have your name all over the web or or whatever, uh, and you can use pseudonyms, that's fine. Um, just nothing too filthy, uh, and uh, we look forward to having those. So if you could have those in before the tenth of March, I think probably then we can we've got time then to record the episode and get it out during the month, which is uh, something to aspire to anyway. Meanwhile, enjoy this. Oh. 